Well, I'm David Gibson. I'm executive editor of Journal of Ecology, and I'm sitting here today with Tony Davey, who's the editor for the Biological Flora series that we publish in the journal. So we're going to talk about the Biological Flora series. And so, Tony, would you briefly describe what the Biological Flora series is? Well, this is a series of uh, articles, each based on an individual species that's found in the British flora. So if you like, it's a sort of little mini monograph of summarising everything that we know about the ecology and biology uh, of a particular species. Okay, and, and how long have the, has the journal been published in this series? Um, this, this has a very long uh, history. Um, the idea was first mooted by Sir Edward Salisbury in 1928 in the early development of the British Ecological Society. Uh, but it was not actually instituted until 1941, uh, when the very first accounts appeared, which is when they decided that the, the route to publication would be as papers in the Journal of Ecology. Since then, um, we've had 74 years of history, and uh, we're just coming up to account number 278. And that's about 10% of the flora? To a rough approximation, about, yes. 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 Not impressive, is it? <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's a lot to cover. <laughs> and so, uh, about six get published per year. Is that we aim to produce way? one at the back of each issue of the Journal of Ecology, so that would be six a year. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Often it's slightly fewer. <laughs> Depends, I suppose, on um, people offering to give accounts and, and finding people to write accounts. Yes, um, we're looking for people who have a particular expertise with the species, um, not just people offering to review the literature. And so, uh, in general, they are volunteers, people who know that they have the ability to contribute this, and they tend to contact me. So, um, although we're not, we're not above commissioning articles, um, we're very dependent on people offering them in general. This podcast is going to be uh, made available as part of the Fascination of Plants Day, and uh, I imagine that with all these accounts that have been published, that, that you must have some interesting stories to tell about some of the fascinating things that are revealed in some of these accounts. That's one of the remarkable things. Um, nearly every species has something fascinating about it, which uh, is often unexpected um, from the point of view of, of the people editing the series. Um, some of the ones in recent years that have been very striking, um, we had one on the giant rhubarb, Gunnera, which was this uh, garden plant found by, in Britain it's a garden plant, originally found by Darwin uh, on an island off the coast of Chile, and now has become uh, very invasive, especially in the West Country and in Ireland. Uh, and apart from its, its striking morphology, um, it appears this is the only flowering plant that has symbiotic blue-green algae to fix nitrogen for it, and there's, a, there's really quite a substantial literature uh, investigating that. Another particularly interesting real example um, was of the ghost orchid, Epipogium, which I think for 13 years had been declared extinct because it hadn't been seen. It's generally regarded as Britain's rarest plant, but because its nutrition is entirely by fungi underground and it never produces photosynthetic parts, until it actually produces an inflorescence above ground, nobody knows whether it's um, extinct or just living underground. And so, um, you know, on the rare occasions when it flowers uh, and somebody happens to find it, we, we know it's there. But as I say, the rest of the time, it's totally dependent on underground fungi for its nutrition.
Yes, and as you say, every, every plant has their own fascinating tidbit of information that can, that can be revealed in, in these accounts. Um, so some of the well-known plants that have been covered would include what, for example? Um, we've had some very widespread and well-known accounts in recent years. Bracken, um, the world's most widespread and common fern, uh, produced, I think, the biggest account ever, uh, and one of the most highly cited, certainly in, in recent years. That was a very important one. Uh, we had one on um, beech trees not so many years ago, which is, I think, incredibly important. Um, some accounts are of very economically important plants, especially difficult weeds. And uh, a very large account we had only a few years ago on the creeping thistle, I think, comes in into that category. What about some of the rarer plants? You mentioned the ghost orchid, but there's some other rare plants. Yes, um, rare, rare plants are quite are quite popular with authors because the um, the amount of work is circumscribed because there's a yes. limited amount of information. Uh, but nevertheless, we like to produce what we can. Uh, as you said, the ghost orchid is probably our, our rarest plant. Um, we had a little a little sort of catchfly described in recently an alpine catchfly called Silene suesica which is only found in two locations in montane parts of Britain, uh, although it is found in, in, uh, in other parts of Europe, which I think was a, a particularly interesting account. You mentioned Ghana as an invasive plant, I, I think. Uh, and how about some invasive or exotic plants that have been covered in the series? We've had some really striking accounts of those. Um, sort of classic you know, notifiable weeds um, like the Himalayan balsam and Japanese knotweed um, spring to mind. Really very, very important accounts, especially if you happen to get get them in your garden or on your land. Um, the gunnery was interesting, as you say. Uh, we have an account just about to go to press at the moment of a North American plant called Ambrosia artemisiafolia, which is uh, becoming a very serious weed in Europe and indeed spreading into Britain. Uh, it's economically important not only because it's, it's such an important weed and because it's so invasive, but it's also probably the most allergenic plant from the point of view of pollen production that we know. It, it produces copious amounts of pollen uh, and it's very, very bad news for hay fever sufferers. Yes, indeed. It is, yes. And it is in the United States as well, of mm. course. Yeah. So. With these invasives, how British does a plant need to be to be acceptable from the count? We're, we're broad-minded about this. Um, it has to be an established part of the British flora, um, but uh, we're happy to have accounts of invasives and aliens so long as they are uh, naturalised, that is to say outside people's gardens, uh, in, in, in at least some places in the British Isles. Um, a lot of our authors these days are not necessarily British because British plants coincide with plants in other places in the world as well. Uh, and we don't mind who writes the, uh, who the articles or where they're based, but the plant does at least have to, to be established in the wild somewhere in Britain. On a technical basis, does that mean it has to be in the States or one of the, the lists? Um, States is a good working... Um, is a good working basis for the list, yeah, I think that's, that would be my main way of deciding. Mm -hmm. Although, if something invaded more recently and uh, an author could make a good case, I would 
be happy to think, consider that. You talked about the, the authors a little bit, and so to tell us a little bit about, about what it takes to write one of these accounts. Uh, it takes more than some people imagine when they, when they agree to do it, because the biological floor is structured to have a series of standard headings. Uh, so we get fairly um, standard information comparable between species. And although it's not strictly necessary to have information about everything uh, in all headings, we like to cover as many of the headings as possible. And different species uh, naturally present data more in different headings, and so um, achieving the balance and finding the information for some of the more obscure headings for a particular species can take a little bit longer than people expect. Uh, as I think I said earlier, we like people who have some direct experience of the species, uh, and this is often a PhD student who's worked on it as part of their species, or someone who's had a long-term interest in it, someone who's been involved in a big collaborative research grant, um, as is often the case with the inv invasive species. The time it takes to write one depends very much on the team involved and, and the species. Um, we have a few uh, experienced authors who seem to be able to knock them off in about a year. Once, once they have you know, the basic information. There are other accounts where people have had the franchise for 40 years or more, uh, and very occasionally one of these actually materialises. Um, I would say that for writing time, most people think in terms of one or two years, um, but can be a lot longer. Mm. And, and you mentioned the standard heading, so there's a map in each account there's information about the, the morphology and the, the plant communities and the taxonomy and what other sort of bits of Yes, we have all of those uh, and then we, we have a summary of sort of physiological information that's, that's relevant to water ecology and biochemical properties. Um, we're very interested in the reproductive biology, pollinating insects, um, the mechanisms that, um, by which reproduction takes place floral dimorphisms and incompatibility mechanisms and things like that. Uh, we're interested in economic uh, applications and, uh, and uses. These days, um, and this wasn't in the original um, schedule, we have a section on conservation, uh, which has become increasingly important. And the, the, they're tied into the National Vegetation Classification Scheme as well? Well, since since the, uh, the series of volumes on British plant communities that we used to call the National Vegetation Classification was published, uh, this provides the basis for one of the sections in most accounts. So we have a, a section on the plant communities in which it's found. And we would normally expect that the, this would follow the basic structure uh, of the National Vegetation Classification Scheme. That is not to say we are not amenable to having extra information that's come to light since that was published. And also, often we have information on communities outside the British Isles, especially in the nearer parts of Europe, which are not covered by that. So that's a lot of information in each account. So who are the users of these accounts? It's very hard to know who the users are. Um, I, I mean, we know, we know who cites them. Um, some of them are 
are sighted hugely you know, by hundreds of people. Some of the rarer species are, are not sighted very much. But of course, looking at citations really is only telling you about the scientific users. As I say, they, they are very diverse. Uh, it seems that they are useful to, to restoration ecologists and, and practitioners, and people who need to know whether they can grow a particular species in a particular place as part of a restoration or repair program. I think they're of interest to some, to some naturalists. Uh, they're of interest to the people who are interested in particular aspects of the biology of those species, some of the things that we've referred to previously. But actually, as I say, it's much harder to know because they, they don't really leave a record like scientists do when they, when they cite a paper. It's really um, more by hearsay. Perhaps some of the people listening to this, this podcast will, will tell us if they've used these accounts. I'd be delighted if people had to email me and tell me what accounts they found useful, or indeed if they found accounts useful, and, and how, yes. Yeah. Are there some, some species that you'd really like to have a, a, an offer for an account for? I'm very broad-minded about this, because as I suggested earlier, it turns out that most species have something special about them. But having said that, I think it's become apparent already that there are certain kinds of species which are important. So um, forest trees, I think, are, are important, and it's surprising how few of those we've covered. Uh, very widespread species, a surprising number of those haven't been covered yet. Um, invasive species, uh, we've referred to are, are obviously important because we don't necessarily know what, what impact they're going to have on the British flora. Uh, and increasingly, um, species that we suspect are going to be affected by climate change. Um, and there's, there's a lot of evidence emerging about different species on that at the moment, I think, are, are of particular interest. But having said that, I wouldn't want to put anybody off from offering to do a species you know, that they find particularly interesting. So if someone is interested in, in writing an account for the series, they should get in touch with you? Yes, they should, they should email me in the first instance, uh, and I can tell them if it's already been franchised to somebody else. Um, if it has, it may be that that person has not done anything for many decades, and the, and the franchise could be transferred, or it may be I can arrange a collaboration with somebody else. Uh, but more, and more often than not, nobody has done it, and I would be very happy to accept an offer to prepare an account. Right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about the, the series? Well, it's, just to summarise, I mean, it's a, it's a series with a long history. It has evolved slightly on the way. The, there's much more information available than there was in the 1940s, and, and some very different kinds of information. So, in a way, um, they've evolved more into sort of mini monographs rather than just summaries of information. Also, um, information is much more available uh, from databases and, and online than it used to be. And so the emphasis has changed more from garnering the information to actually providing a critical commentary on the information um, than it used to be. Uh, but I would say these are still changes of emphasis, and it's really essentially the same beast that it was 74 years ago, and it's, it's stood the test of time, it's proved useful, uh, and it would be good to cover a lot more British species over the next few decades. And I think it, I think it will as the, as the series continues, so thank you very much, and I think the Biological Flora series exemplifies the fascination of plants. Thank you very much.